You're listening to the Community Call with host Murray Riley Jr. Hello, folks. This is the Community Call podcast. Again, I'm your host, Murray Riley Jr. We're back for another rousing episode of the Community Call podcast. And i tell you what, folks, what a week it has been already. We made it to hump day. And this is our 99th episode of the Community Call podcast. And guys, I tell you what, there are some exciting things that are going to be happening as we move into our 100th episode podcast. And we're going to do some, we're going to have a great time. We're going to celebrate our 100th episode, which is coming up very soon. And we're going to have some old voices come back to the show and share with us and a whole lot of great things that we're going to do on our 100th episode of the Community Call podcast. But for now, let's talk about our current stories that are happening across America and the world. And I tell you what, folks, uh, it's starting out like this with our top stories. And it says black and Hispanic kids die more from the team. A detailed look at COVID-19 deaths in the U.S. Kids and young adults uh, shows they mirror patterns of older patients of the 121 deaths. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention examined many had one or more medical conditions. The CDC found 54 uh, were Hispanics, 35 were black, and 17 were white, even though overall there are far more white Americans than black and Hispanic, Hispanics. It may reflect many things, including those who have to go to work are black and Hispanic parents. And yes, folks, this is something we need to be concerned with. Um, it's a very big deal in my mind. Also, Breonna Taylor's family reaches a multi-million. We can't get her back, y'all, but we did get this done. Breonna Taylor's family has reached a settlement in 26-year-old's wrongful death lawsuit against the city of Louisville, Kentucky, after police shot her dead in her own home in March. Uh, the city agreed to pay um, Taylor's family $12 million, which will be the largest sum paid out by a city of uh, Louisville in a police misconduct case. Now we're counting on the AG and the DOJ to do the right thing and hold the hold all responsible officers accountable. Uh, Sam Agar, attorney for the Taylor family, um, he told this to the to the press. This comes as newly released Rochester police commanders urge city officials to hold off releasing body cam footage of Daniel Prude's suffocation death, folks. And yes. We did well, and uh, things are um, spiking there uh, in the rock with this case, too. Something that I'm encouraging everyone to watch as we move forward with this. Um, it, folks, we just, uh, we're going to have Michael talk to us about what this is in Rochester, New York, with, with this story here. Um, thank God for what's happening with Brianna Taylor's family. May she rest in peace. Money doesn't bring her back, folks, and money doesn't ease the pain. But but to have something done like this says volumes. Can't wait till the guys tell me what they think about Breonna Taylor's family finally getting some settlement. 
um, through the money side of things, but we need to talk about the other issues that hold true as well. Also, folks, we want to talk about Hurricane Sally. Yes, Hurricane Sally has uh, made landfall. Um, it's strengthened and it's pummeling Florida and the panhandle of South Alabama with uh, with sideways range, beach coverings and storm surges, strong winds and power. Early Wednesday morning, moving early Wednesday, moving ashore at an agonizing slow pace that promised possible record floods. Yes, yes, yes. We are hearing those reports here in South Carolina and Georgia and Alabama and Florida. We're going to have um, flood risk here um, through the next 48 hours, folks. That's what's happening here. Also, some 150,000 homes and businesses have been have lost electricity. A curfew was called in the uh, in the coastal Alabama city of Gulf Shores and conditions. And this came from the Associated Press. And I'm encouraging everyone who has family in these areas, please get in contact with your family members. Make sure they're okay. If anything, have them reach out to the authorities who may have um, people on the ground in those areas. I hope uh, everyone is okay um, during this time right here with Hurricane Sally. Um, we have been getting periodic updates from the Weather Service here and, and the Aiken Augusta area where I live. And I tell you what, guys, we are very, very concerned with the, the amount of rain that is, that is expected between now and Friday morning. So let's hope things go well between now and then. Also, we want to talk about a we want to talk about President Trump's town hall meeting that took place on ABC. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, the president faltered some. Or did he falter a lot? Can't wait till the guys tell me what they think. Well, an undecided voter confronted confronted the president of his efforts to repeal the Affordable Care Act during the town hall event on Tuesday, asking how the White House planned to protect those with pre-existing conditions while actively fighting to undermine the protections already in place. Alyssa, Alyssa Black, an assistant professor, pressed President Trump during a tense moment detailing lifelong disease that cost her thousands of dollars annually in her insurance co-payments, folks. And these are some of our top stories for the night uh, for our 99th episode of the Community Call. Also, we want to share with you some of our Pew Research Center numbers. Yes, how the numbers are, how the numbers are, as we always say here on the show. And from our research, 41%, the share of United Kingdom who have favorable opinion of the United States the lowest ever recorded in a Pew survey, folks. Unprecedented, unprecedented that this number is here now. Also, we want to say that our public image in the world has changed due to the COVID-19. Didn't I say the world was watching? Wow, the world has been watching, folks. A new 13-nation poll by the Pew Research Center finds that America's image has hit record lows in in a number of countries, including key allies in Europe and Asia, favorably ratings of the United States and Canada and the UK, France and Australia are lower today than even the previous 
near of 2003 when Washington's decision to invade Iraq sparked condemnation abroad. Lacking confidence in President Donald Trump is one factor contributing to America's poor image. I don't know what to tell y'all. I really don't. But so is the U.S. handling the COVID-19 pandemic. A median of just 15% across the country's survey think America has done a good job responding to the coronavirus outbreak. In this year of crisis, it would seem questions have deepened about America's standing and leadership in the world. Yes, I do agree with this one all the way. Despite the pandemic, many Europeans see climate change as the greatest threat to their countries. In the pandemic has dominated news headlines around the world. It is perhaps unsurprising to discover that majorities in 14 countries surveyed this past summer see the spread of infectious disease as a major threat to their countries. But across European countries polled, climate change remains the top most perceived threat. And these are our numbers for the Pew Research Center tonight, everyone. And, uh, what do you guys think about what's going on with America's image abroad? Have we not repeated on this podcast that the world is watching? I know everybody does not seem to get this, but we are an example for the world to follow. And so since our example has been decimated by the Trump presidency, now the world sees us very differently. Hmm. Wonder what the guys have to say. They're here with us tonight. We have Charlene with us here tonight. We want to welcome her to the show. We have Michael here with us as well for the show tonight. And uh, let's bring them in. We want to talk a little bit and uh, see how things are going. Hello, Charlene. Welcome to the show. Hi, Maury. How you doing? Hi, everybody out there. How's it going? We're doing just wonderful. How are you doing in Virginia? Doing good here. Doing good here. No Hurricane Sally in Virginia. No, not yet. But you guys, you guys may get a little bit of rain from her. We'll see. Let's talk to Michael. How you doing, sir? I am doing great, even if I am a bit tired and emotionally drained. A lot of which due to Mister Forty Five and DC and who was in Philadelphia last night, that was working my last nerve yes. with his behavior. I mean, they called the show, they, they entitled the program The President and the People. If anybody was watching closely, and I admit, I tuned in a bit late because I was unaware of this particular special as if it was a late-breaking last-minute thing. Um, I had not seen prior advertisements to it, but I got to say, after seeing how Trump behaved and how he treated those um, people in the audience, particularly the lady you had mentioned that was asking about health care, and I applauded her so loud when she stood up to Trump saying, excuse me, I'm still talking, and stopped him from interrupting her. Bravo, bravo, bravo. I would think that that show should have been, the program should have been more entitled The President Versus the People because he sure as heck was not 
being um, sincere with anybody in in that um, audience who asks legitimate questions um, for the most part. And bravo to George Stephanopoulos, who had to keep interrupting Trump to do the fact-checking. Trump going to keep changing the narrative, changing the topic, and be filling the airways with his lies over and over and over again, repeating some of the gosh-forsaken nonsense. You know, it was... Uh, I don't know what else to say right now until we get into the details. But let me also say that our thoughts and prayers go out to those in the Gulf Coast in Louisiana and Mississippi that is enduring Hurricane Sally. And even the, yeah. the people out in the West are still enduring these fires. You know, no one wants a hurricane or constantly um, pouring rain as the Gulf Coast is getting, but I'm sure California and Oregon would have welcomed Sally, if you know what I mean, with all this torrential rain to put out oh, these yeah. fires. Yes, here it's know. here it's been raining all day, my friend. It's been raining here all day long, and we've had um, Tim, who's our local forecaster, who's been forecasting all day rain and all night, maybe with the potential of torrential pour downs through the night here, and so everyone is taking precautions. Um, we have emergency management teams and everyone in place just in case flooding starts to occur in low-lying areas here in Aiken County and other areas in South Carolina and Georgia. My neighbors across from us are experiencing heavy rain, too, as Sally moves across from the Alabama and Florida panhandle up through Georgia and South Carolina. So we're going to have this rain with us through the night, I think, um, all the way until um, early Thursday morning, and it may taper off sometime um, Thursday evening, Michael. So let's hope we can yeah. get through this. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers but to I all those families who are affected by okay. Sally right now because uh, you have some flooding going on on the Alabama coast and Florida coast and those who have been affected. Um, you have search teams already looking for people who have maybe who have got caught up in the surge when the hurricane came um, um, came across the uh, um, on earlier this morning. So let's pray that everyone. Oh, is... Yes, sir. Yeah, but I also have to alert everybody since we're on the weather of a certain, um, if I should say, weather alert, and that is that for those that are not having any rain, if you were to look up in the sky during the daytime, you see a sunshine, and then you're wondering what's happened with the blue sky. You're hearing that it's clear, but that it looks cloudy, like high clouds and so forth. Those are not clouds. That is the smoke that is coming from California. That the, the weather service, and I had local weather reports here in New York City that said that the fires in um, along the Pacific Coast states have gotten so out of hand that the smoke has risen and has traveled cross country, and now you'll probably be experiencing some kind of smoke that's in the upper atmosphere. Upper atmosphere meaning that the smoke is stands between the ground 
and you being on the ground and the beautiful blue sky above. That's some serious yeah, stuff. Yeah. I, I can tell you one thing. My heart goes out to those folks who are affected in California and, uh, and the nearby states dealing with these fires. And it's, it, it's unprecedented that we have the fires going on. And there has been no federal states. And that is awful. Um, the president, yes, number 45, has not given any additional federal help to these states fighting the wildfires, folks. And so you have thousands of people have, who have been displaced from the fires, Michael. A lot of folks have lost their homes, lost all their worldly possessions due to these fires, and there has yet been any federal help to these communities affected by the wildfires. And uh, right. I know the governor of California is really, really doing the, the very best he can, um, keeping the fires un, uh, under control. Uh, hats off to all these heroes on the ground fighting the fires, Michael, and rescuing people and recovering people, too. Yes, folks, they are recovering folks, too. And uh, we just hope everyone stays well and stays healthy and you locate your family members, those ones who you haven't um, gotten together with since the fire started and you have been separated due to the fire. We just hope everyone can reunite with each other, Michael, during this, during this time right here. How do you feel about what's going on in California? Trump says he's not giving Democratic folks any monies from the federal uh, wasteful monies that Democrat Democratic cities use it for, which I think is awful. How about you? It's something sinister going on here. And that's the words I'm using, something sinister, especially when we're close to the elections. Um, Trump has never lifted his finger to help these Democratic states that normally vote Democratic, but you're supposed to, as a president of the United States, of America. You're not just president of the Republican states. You're not just president of the buddy-buddy states or the buddy-buddies, period. Take an example from um, former President Barack Obama at Superstorm Sandy, and one of the hardest-hit states was New Jersey under Republican Governor Chris Christie. Obama put all politics aside because this was um, a matter of life and death, this was exigent circumstances, people were hurting, and those people included Republicans and Democrats, that when it comes to time of crisis, we are not Republicans, we are not Democrats, we are one body, we are one nation that have to pull together and survive to get through this because we all we all fall down and we all pick ourselves back up and dust ourselves off. So apparently Trump does not understand this, but what's more significant, Murray, is that if anybody was not aware of this, the state of California is the one state that holds the most electoral votes. Let Michael S.W. Yes. say that again. California holds the most electoral votes, that being 55, and that state has for the many years, I can't recall when it was ever read, but for many years has gone blue and voted Democratic. 
So what's going to happen now when you got so many people that are dead from these fires, let alone the COVID-19, and people that are displaced? Well, you're going to say to them, oh, sorry, you can't vote, you don't have a residence, we can't prove that you live here, too bad, so sad, bye-bye. And then those that are dead, yeah, they're registered voters, but they're no longer around to vote. What's Trump trying to do? See to it that only his Republican friends vote in California? And perhaps those same Republican friends, as he has done once, voting twice in two different locations or more. Oh yeah. We got to oh, get yeah. to the bottom of this. He's voting in Florida, voting in New York. How many other Republicans are doing this garbage when it comes to um, California? And then, lo and behold, look how New York is getting shortchanged. Look how some people in uh, Florida is getting shortchanged. And any of these other um, areas of Democratic states, Democratic cities, I say that because of who the governors and mayors are who do a heck of a better job than Trump. You know, Trump wants to keep talking about Democratic states, Democratic cities, and keep um, slandering each of them with his falsehoods and his hateful, divisive, racist rhetoric, as we've heard in the um, town hall last night. And I know you're going to get into that more. I mean, it becomes more and more sinister as to how he's trying to steal this election, even to the point of killing innocent people. And I would say utmost to these right-wingers who want to um, law him as a false god and want to keep saying that he's pro-life, he's um, going to stop abortions. I'm tired of, of hearing about abortions. But let's focus, on he is, he, let's focus on how he is killing the current livelihoods of the American people in more ways than one. Okay, so let's do this since we're since we're getting near our, and that is the town hall with the president that happened on Annapolis. Uh, there were some poignant questions that the president couldn't handle last night. In that, two a couple of these top stories, Michael touch touch on them. We want to talk about the black and Hispanic kids die more from COVID nineteen. Um, and I'll tell you what, the numbers, the numbers are, are astounding here. Um, the CDC found 54 were Hispanic kids, 35 were black kids, and 17 were white kids, even though overall there are far more white Americans than black and Hispanic reflect many things, including that many essential workers have to go to work that are black and Hispanic parents, of course. And they are, we are highly more affected with the coronavirus than most folks, Michael. And to, to know that these numbers are here now and it's affecting the kids one time before, way back up in April. Oh, basically, children are going to be immune from this. He was wrong. A whole lot of wrong, folks. The president was wrong on the coronavirus, and he's still wrong on stuff. What's your thoughts, Michael, about the effect that it's having on on my on minority children, Michael? This is the same guy who kept calling it a hoax to begin with, and that itself was setting this nation down the wrong track. Thank heavens for people like Governor Andrew Cuomo, my state that was the hardest hit, 
And I sincerely thought, Murray, that people nationwide, perhaps even worldwide, would have watched, observed, and learned from Governor Cuomo, from New Jersey Governor um, Bill Murphy, from Connecticut Governor uh, Ned Lamont, the tri-state governors, Mm-hmm. how they handled this COVID-19 and got the um, got the bars down towards ground level, if you want to call it that, that we have hit the peak and gotten down and flattened the curve and still trying to keep that curve flattened and right down to ground level. Can't say that with the other states that have really stored into the uh, – I don't know how to put it, but it's still enormous epidemic because of their governors, pretty much Republican, pretty much a bunch of yes men to Trump, and repeating the falsehoods of it's a hoax, it's a hoax, it's a hoax. These are the red states that are now suffering and perhaps suffering more and suffering longer than New York or any of these other blue states. That's because that's because the efforts are going toward those red states even more than we than more than we can imagine, Michael. I think, but hats off to the hats off to everyone in the northern half of the country who has governors who are, who are sound governors who are thinking this thing through, implementing and putting things in place to protect people like mask mandates. Um, vines against people when you have more than 25 people together in crowds and stuff. Those things, those measures, those COVID protocols are saving lives in spite of what the president keeps saying about COVID-19. Every protocol that I've seen coming from northern governors and even some of the southern governors, yes, to give credit where credit's due, Governor McMaster stepped up. When things got a little a little heated here in South Carolina with the COVID outbreak, and he stepped up and did some things. Yes, I'm giving a nod to you, Governor McMaster. Also, Brian Kemp. Yeah, uh, Brian Kemp across the way there in Georgia did the same thing too. Just found out today he's got his COVID protocol that he signed off on again for the last time. It's going to go in for the entire month of September, folks. That protocol is going to run out at the end of the month. Who knows? Will Will Brian Kemp re re up the protocol for the next month? Or just go ahead and do the thing, Michael, to the end of the year. Let's be done with it. Um, but forty five says he's promising a vaccine before the election. I, wait a minute, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. Stop, Murray. Okay, let's talk about Brianna. Folks, we're going to come back to that point. Yes, we're going to come back to that point. Brianna Taylor's family got for her in a settlement from um, the city of Louisville. And um, this was this was major in my mind, Michael. Um, this is something that uh, everyone was asking for. Breonna Taylor's uh, family attorney, Mr. Crump, and his team got this money. Um, congratulations to them for their efforts to secure such an amount for the family. Our prayers, Taylor's 
family. May she rest in peace, Michael. What what a word of twelve million dollars to the family. Um, there there's a lot of things can be said and done with when a when an award of this amount is given out to the victims' families. What are your thoughts? Twelve million dollars. That is a lot of money. And it's a somewhat compensation. I use the word somewhat very strongly because they, as well as their supporters, have stated they still want the cops responsible for killing Brianna to be tried, to be prosecuted, tried, and convicted in due time in prison like any other regular killer would, be it a deliberate killer or sometimes accidental killer, which would be manslaughter. Nonetheless, people are tired of police officers who are unfit to hold the badge and the gun as they're going around instead of protecting and serving, instead of upholding the law and following it like the rest of us have to. They are breaking the laws and using the shield and the uniform, the badge and the guns, and the title of police officer as some kind of blanket immunity. And what's worse is when you have that um, kind of mentality that's constantly being built up more and more and more by the police Mm -hmm. union heads, by the certain right-wing politicians and loudmouths, such as Mr. 45 himself, Trump, who is on record for calling for and encouraging such police abuse, even to the point of trying to use a phrase in a manipulative fashion, law and order. Yes, so much for law and order when he and his side, and I got to say, there are a lot of police officers on the force that are large Trump supporters and using this opportunity to act so unethically, even though you want to call it political, it's still unethical and unlawful. But they're taking advantage of that stuff. And, you know, they went turn around and they commit the most unlawful and most disorderly kind of acts and behavior that you could ever imagine. It's 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 so oh gosh, it is very it's it was very pretty serious. Go ahead, Michael. You know what's so disappointing is that we got to remind everybody that this twelve million dollars that the family gets, it's not from the mayor, it's not from the police force, it's not even from the doggone police unions who bear a lot of responsibility. It's from the local taxpayer dollars, the taxpayers who support the um, Brianna Taylor um, family, that time and time again, these settlements, wrongful debt settlements, come from taxpayer dollars. And you wonder why there is so much marching and protesting. It's not just because of the um, the two different sets of rules. It's not about the um, the unbalanced scales of justice. It's not just that, but it's like beyond the family, beyond the Taylor family, they lost somebody. 
but then at the same time, we're the ones suffering from our pockets, from the finances. And then when the um, city governments or even state governments want to say, we have to do budget cuts this or budget cuts that, that's more pain to the taxpayers and the residents of that particular city or state. So this stuff adds up, folks. You know, the inconveniences adds up, and you wonder when in the world is this going to stop, and when in the world are the correct people responsible for this will be finally held accountable solely and completely. Thing with me, and I, I, I feel this way when it comes to this, Michael, and I feel like reform is, is one of the key things that's going to have to take place with police forces across the country and folks let's let's get let's make this thing perfectly clear joe biden has said he is not going to defund the police departments across this nation that would be ludicrous if anything the police departments across the nation should go through a lot of community a, a lot of community training and I think those reforms with community training and community policing would be a great help to the nation. Not just, and I'm not singling out communities in particular, but if we do community policing, we're going to see great changes in how police deal with the communities that they serve in. As I stated one time before here on the show, you have police who police in communities that they don't live in. They come from the, yep. where they live into communities where they police, where they're totally unfamiliar with those communities. They learn the criminalities of communities, but they don't learn the people in those communities, Michael. And that's why I think there needs to be a community policing reform that has to take place where these police are through some community protocol training so they can understand the communities that they police. Now, uh, I just happened to be listening to the War Room podcast with um, earlier this morning, and they had a guest on, and his name is Rashad Ray, who is a community activist that has been studying law enforcement across the country in different sectors of the country, especially in the north and in the south. And Rashad was making some 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 valid points about community policing and what needs to take place with community policing as we move forward in this election season. And now, uh, if you want to listen to what Rashad Ray had to say, guys, you would have to go to the War Room Port podcast and listen to James Carville and his co-host on the War War Room podcast. James Carville is one of one of one of America's uh, best political um, prognosticators, and also he was a a political manager um, for the Clinton campaign and for the Obama campaign. And so you have James Carville and and, and his show. The War Room. It's a very great show. You guys can listen to that. Also, come back and listen to us. I'm inviting you to come back and listen to our same. political podcast, too. Yes, James, that, James Carver. The same Charles 
Is that the same James Carville that's a Democratic strategist? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. War Room Podcast. You can find them on Apple, on the Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and you can find them on other podcast platforms, the War Room Podcast. Great show, great show. They had a great guest, Rashad Ray, who is a community activist. He had a lot to say about community policing, especially what happened with the situation with Rihanna, uh, Brianna Taylor, what took place in Kenosha, Wisconsin, with the uh, with that young man with the long gun who drove all the way from Illinois to Wisconsin and took part in with the protest and killed killed two people and hurt another and then went back to, uh, to Illinois where he has yet to face a judge. So uh, I encourage everyone to listen to the war room and, and listen to what Richard Ray had to say. Hopefully I'm going to reach out to Richard Ray myself and have him come on our show, Michael, and talk to us about community policing and what's going on with the efforts for community policing here uh, in these last few months of 2020. Uh, we need to find out what is going on. It need, we need to know what's what's happening on the ground. Um, Rashad was making some great um, um, com- uh, comments regarding policing and community policing based on the, uh, the statistics of African-Americans who, who get pulled over by police, um, African-Americans who get confronted by police on the streets. Um, and so this was a very significant show to listen to, especially when it comes to Rashad Ray. Rashad, I hope you're listening to us. Yes, this is the Sky Shot Radio Podcast. Reach out to myself, Murray Raleigh. You can find me on Facebook and everywhere else. Yes, an open appeal right here on the live show. Um, also, Michael, what are, your what are your thoughts on this? Because we've all been talking about this over the last six and a half months, especially after George Floyd. Uh, and so Absolutely. It's been long overdue. And uh, it's very interesting what you say about Rashad Ray. And I heard a news report. I did not catch what location it was, where it was, um, where it was in um, Brianna Taylor's um, area. If it was in um, Kenosha, uh, Wisconsin, or in Ro- Rochester, New York, that one of the reforms is what you just pointed out, Murray, and that is for police to reside in the communities they serve. And I think that is a big yes. step in the right direction. So you get to know the communities and know them factually and not the rumors spewed out by many of those from the far right that are, are so racist and they're filling the airways as well as people's minds with the utmost deadly garbage. Yes. And yes, I said deadly garbage. Uh, I don't. You don't have to apologize to me for that because that's the absolute absolute truth. What you're speaking, my friend. One of the things in regards to the Blue Nation, we have to understand that the Blue Nation has to understand when when you police in communities that you don't live in, you have a misconception of people already, and to me, that's that's not a good thing. Nine times out of ten. You have misconceptions of African-Americans solely based on the history of, of criminality 
And a lot of that is not true when it comes to African-Americans. Yes, you have these elements that continue to, to be criminals in, in our community. Um, that's because they lack the training. They lack the opportunity. They lack the ability to change. And so criminality is all they know. But uh, when it comes to reforms, we, we, the citizens of these communities, have to put the efforts forward to have the reforms put in place so when these police officers come into communities, Michael, they understand the situations that they're driving into or the, the situations that they go to work into. Let's say it like that. Because most of the time, these officers are upholding the law to the best of their ability, and they're doing what they're supposed to do. But nine times out of ten, they already have a preconceived notion of African Americans and other people of color when it comes to crime. And so, as I was saying, Rashad, Taylor, Rashad Ray was speaking on this, um, and he was giving some very um, poignant um, points in regards to that. And that, and I was so moved by what he was saying um, that I wanted to ask a question myself. But um, pre-recorded show just like ours is sometimes and, and even though we are live tonight um you have to you have if you guys if you want to go back and listen you could go back and listen to this conversation between james carville and rashad ray and his co-host in regards to community police and what happened in kenosha wisconsin um, um i think we we have some work to do that's why it's very important that we get out to vote folks and Michael, you feel the same way I feel as well when it, when it's, when we start talking about our community and policing. You are you are in the in a very large city with the largest police force in the in the world, the the NYPD. Um, yes, we've had good and bad and ugly with the NYPD over the years, uh, but now uh, we have to do the same and, and still do. We have to do some things in regards to community. Um, policing when it comes to them. I know you ha uh, Mayor de Blasio and everyone else. Um, I hope everyone's going to get together and do some reforming um, after we, we, we secure a win here and uh, coming up on November 3rd. How, how do you feel about things, Michael, when it comes to this? I remain a bit worried only because that it's, it's a couple of things that's here in the, in the NYPD. And I don't know if it's the case with these other police forces, but the one thing they got to get rid of is this quota system. The quota system mm -hmm. where they have to make a certain number of tickets or a certain number of arrests in mm -hmm. a certain month or otherwise facing penalties, which usually means, from what someone once said, a deduction in uh, personal time or vacation time or any other kind of um, financial or uh, or time accrual um, uh, matter, if I can use that term. But if you get rid of the quota system, perhaps that will make cops more honest and, you know, less nonsense, per se. Um, granted, that's not going to automatically change the um, or correct the problem overall because you still got those uh, unfit to be on the force, that they joined the force yes. for one thing, that's to continue their bully ways. And you already seen the number of rallies in which these cops 
even though not in uniform, wearing these T-shirts saying cops for Trump, and it's representing or stating where they're from geographically. Right. Minnesota, New York. I mean, we've we've seen the photos and the videos time and time again on YouTube. At times, I've even posted on the um on the group pages because as soon as I come across something I got the time I want posting on there just to inform everyone red alert raising awareness and yes it's becoming it's becoming our job to sound the sound the horn here and I think it's it's a great thing Michael that we continue to sound the horn to everyone out there who has who who may come across one of these situations God forbid if, if if folks are 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 going through some some hellacious times right now when it comes to law enforcement, especially with African Americans being pulled over. I think one of the main things that most people we go through the scenario every time in our minds what happens when a when a white cop pulls over a black person um, uh, for a traffic stop or a traffic violation, and it things get things go sideways sometime because of, of the demeanor of police officers and things like that. Um, it, it, you have so much video now where you see the bad side versus when you see good. Um, I think there has to be some temperament when it comes to that. have any temperament when it comes to people who are, are being pulled over and we see, we see the ills of what happens doing doing these traffic stops and the first person comes to mind is is blake you know jacob blake and what happened with that situation and here we are now jacob blake paralyzed from the waist down he'll never walk again his life has been changed forever and so we have to have reform, community reform in law enforcement. We also have Victor, who's made it into the show tonight. Hello, Victor. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Um, glad to I'm have gonna, you on, sir. I'm glad to be on too. Sorry, I'm a little late, but um, it's okay. I want to talk. I want to talk about um, this case in Rochester, New York. Um. You have a black male, and you had a black police chief who I think since have resigned. Now, they showed something on um, MSNBC where they had certain things on a sheet of paper. And in red, uh, looked like a red marker, it said, make him a suspect, meaning that they had to make it look like he was doing something in order to be treated the way he was. Now, um, you have a lot of the white policemen, and I see in the um, Army National Guard, when they're under black leadership, they're going to undermine the black leadership because of the fact that, unfortunately, many of the white folks don't like being under black leadership. This was a problem with Mm -hmm. President Obama. No matter how good of a job you're doing, no matter how efficient you are, but it's just that stigma that I don't want to listen to somebody that I feel who is beneath me. Or inferior to me. Exactly. Exactly. So what's happening is that, as you stated earlier, that people are going 
particular white policemen are going to the neighborhoods, the black neighborhoods, with a mindset. Because when they talk about us on TV outside of sports, they might be talking about some of us in the music industry, the rap industry. So when you see some of the images that are put out there, they tend to think that how we all operate. Exactly. And lastly, lastly, I had a situation that happened to me in 1990. I remember specifically because that when my son was born, I was stationed in Germany. Um, Then I came home, saw my son was born in South Carolina. Um, He and his mom had, you know, he came, his mom came home from Germany and we chose to um, have him born in the United States, in the United States. So I got home about maybe three days after he was born. Um, I got to my parents' house. Uh, I remember my dad gave me this real nice Adidas warmer suit. He said he couldn't wear it, so I wore it. Um, my mom just bought her a new Chevy Blazer. So when, um, she said, here, take it, uh, go to the hospital to your son. I go to the gas station. At the gas station at that time, they would have a policeman there, um, which is fine. But then he come and start questioning me. Oh, you dress pretty snatchy there. Oh, you driving a nice vehicle. And before he can continue, I stopped him in his tracks and I said, Sir, here's my military ID. Here's my leave paper. I just got into a country from Germany and I'm trying to go to the hospital to see my son that was just born. And mm-hmm. so they have to stop having those images of us as people who are out to commit, to commit, you know, mayhem. Yes. i tell you what, Victor, uh, you, you raise a point that, that, that sticks with me a lot and what happened in, what happened in, uh, in California there in Compton with the, with this attempted assassination of these deputies and they say from the footage that the person who was who was doing the shooting was was brown you know they don't they don't necessarily say black but they say the image of this individual was brown and so now you have county police uh, LA county sheriff's officers looking for this individual who committed this heinous crime against uh these deputies yes yes we're praying for these deputies i am i'm praying for these deputies because it was just crazy for something like that to happen you know some people want to start a race war oh lord don't let me get on this tip tonight but i guess i'm gonna go there some folks want to start a race war between black and white people i am not a, a proponent of war against the races now, let's understand something. Donald Trump has done a great job of inciting uh, racial tension in this country over the last four years of his presidency. And so it's coming to some kind of head. But God forbid that it does. Now, this crime that happened in Compton, California, was heinous, regardless of what anybody has to say. These deputies was these deputies were on duty. These deputies wasn't doing anything to anyone. They were out on patrol when this individual came up and started shooting and tried to commit an assassination attempt of these deputies. A lot of folks are seeing in in, in newsreels and in these 
broadcast that these individuals were doing this based off a payback of to what some deputies did to an individual who was shot in the back and left laying. And so everyone thinks it was a retaliation for what happened to this individual in, in Compton. Um, so now what you have is two dynamic sides that 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 are that have two dynamic views of what went down. And so when this assassination attempt happened, it created a even more dynamic situation where these two parties can come together and here you go, you got a full on war going on in your backyard with with individuals in Compton and the LA County Sheriff's Office folks. Something nobody needs to condone or nobody needs to encourage violence against the police. What you're setting up here is the fact that you're moving us into martial law or something because of the mindset of a few, not the mindset of all. And that's what's happening here when we have these type of situations. And so it nullifies our message of abuse by law enforcement when you have heinous crimes like this take place. And then we're out here screaming is we're being shot down by the police. Well, we someone went and shot up the police, and so then you have this back and forth dynamic. So it nullifies who want change, and it undermines the Black Lives Matter movement when we have heinous crimes like this happen, and then you have African Americans who come out and cheer this thing on. That yeah, let these MFers die. That was some of the quoting of these individuals when this when this heinous crime took place against these uh deputies and i just think that the worst thing that anybody could do it was bad on every on every turn with this and it's just awful it's awful it undermines everything that yep. the, the protest that the protest of, of of black lives matter is is trying to accomplish one thing that i am disappointed in is having people trying to wrangle away the movement for their own selfish purposes, which is dangerous. We cannot have people undermine the protest for their own for their own uh, purposes and that will be counterproductive to the movement. This Black Lives Matters is a movement. We're trying to change the dynamic of policing in this country. With what happened in Los Angeles, undermines that to a a tremendous degree right now we have no footing now since that occurred it takes us back to zero we were already at 25 percent now we back to zero percent it nullifies the death of brianna taylor it nullifies the death of of george floyd it nullifies the death of eric gardner it nullifies it nullifies all these individuals who were who were gunned down by police because of what took place in Compton. Get my people to understand, you can't you can't act this way and ask for good. Th these two don't mix. They don't mix. You can't do bad and expect good. You can't do good and expect bad. It's just, them two ain't gonna mix. You know what the problem is, so Mary. Go ahead, Michael. The problem here is it goes right back to what I said about the long era 
of unaccountability when uh, when you have cops who are usually white they're doing wrong to African Americans even to the point of killing unarmed people of color and then you have the recited same script over and over again for the past 25 to 30 years it's a tragedy not a crime we thought they had a gun we feared for our lives and the beat goes on we said this time and time again on the podcast before murray and it's to the point where there's some unfortunately want to take matters into their own hands and that in itself is wrong black lives matter was and always will be a peaceful protesting movement and anybody that decides to do otherwise contrary to that peaceful protesting and raising awareness is not part of black lives matter now though at the same time when you got idiots like trump and idiots like rudy giuliani they're going about on public airwaves ranting and raving with their racist hateful falsehoods of blm and critics in general that in itself adds fuel to the fire and raising flames in the fire it is if <laughs> if you haven't heard murray now rudy giuliani besides talking a whole bunch of garbage on blm and democrats now he wants to come up with a gop committee here in new york city and trying to push in every way to get a republican mayor into city hall once again he wants to even start a local gop convention and we all know the gop that he has in mind if that is not enough we had a news report saying giuliani for mayor what again nope not rudy giuliani but his son andrew is mulling as to whether or not to run now i don't know if this guy has had any continual um talks or relationship with his father but when he was um, a kid he was solely brought up by his mother who was giuliani's former second wife donna hanover and she and the kids want nothing to do with giuliani rudy giuliani that is that was then i don't know what the case is now i don't know if it's like father like son but this is some real serious desperate matters that if giuliani gets away rudy giuliani gets away with whatever he's trying to do especially in continuing this trumpism stuff since he is the so-called personal attorney of donald trump we could be in real serious serious trouble here in new york city to say the least well one thing i want to say in in, in efforts of what you're saying and when it comes to the 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 rebirth of rudy giuliani through his son i don't think that's the case you have you have some very very determined people in new york city who would not want that to happen again uh, you, you know mayor de blasio has been doing a wonderful job there the governor has been doing a wonderful job there i think we have some solid democrats mike in the state that will handle the situation i don't think you're going to have a return of giuliani at all into 
into the mayoral ship. Um, that's because you have some very staunch Democrats in the state and in the city of New York who wouldn't have it. Um, yes, you have a sector of people in major cities who are GOP folks. They love it. They love it. They love the grand old party. But guess what? The grand old party is not the grand old party anymore. It's morphed into more of a militant side of it. Um, what used to be the grand old party is not the grand old party anymore. And so people are, are listening to Quinnon. People are listening to Quinnon right now. People are listening to Rush Limbaugh. People are listening to to other folks out here, Tucker Carlson and others who are proponents of divisiveness. They don't want unification in this country. They want to seize power from, from individuals. Uh, they don't have some reflection of what is what makes difference in America. Um, they want superiority over everyone. And I think that folks, we just need to get out to vote. And I, I mean, with vote for your life. This election will determine how we're going to go forward as a nation coming up here. I want to since we're talking about uh, voters. We had a voter confront the president on the town hall on uh, last night on ABC with George Stephanopoulos and an undecided voter. And, and we, I'm going to talk about this one here because I need to. An undecided voter confronted the president over his efforts to repeal the Affordable Care Act during a town hall event on Tuesday, asking how the White House planned to protect those with pre-existing conditions while actively fighting to undermine the protections already in place. Elsula Black, an assistant professor, pressed the president during a tense moment detailing her experience with a lifelong disease that cost her thousands of dollars annually and in insurance co-payments. Guys, Victor, what are your thoughts on this? Did you have a chance to check out the town hall? I kind of caught the tail end of this. I was watching Don Lemon, and me and Don got a lot of a lot of things in common. So wow. What are your thoughts, Richard? Yes. I got to see her comments. I didn't get to watch the whole town hall, but I just remember when she started with her question, she had to stop Trump and say, let me finish. And she proceeded with her question, which she said the condition that she had, she was born with. It's not her fault. And he just danced around her question and didn't give a definite answer. As a matter of fact, Joy Reed had this young lady on her show. She's a um, assistant professor at Cushtown uh, University in Pennsylvania. Um, her, her her name is I can't pronounce her first name, but her last name is Black, B L A Q U E, and she said that after she. You know, after she left and went home, she cried because of the fact that she did not get a definite answer. And she said she is not determined to vote for um, Joe Biden because of the, before then, she didn't even think she was going to vote. But she is now determined to vote for Joe Biden. And that's why I'm hoping that by seeing how the president danced around these people question because one of the gentlemen that asked him about um, make America uh, make America great again, he was a pastor of a church. I don't remember his name, 
but he spoke as well. And he was saying that he did not get a definite answer from the president either. And you're but not. But he was an undecided voter, Victor. Yeah. He's an undecided voter. And he said and, and, at the end, at, because Don Lemon had him on. Oh, after, I didn't see him on after, Don Lemon. Lemon. Don Lemon had him on afterwards, and Don Lemon asked him, why are you an undecided voter? And he said, nobody has a plan. Trump doesn't have a plan, but I may become a third-party voter, but ain't nobody over there. I ain't heard anybody from the third party, which would um, be the group. Jill Stein or anybody. Veiled. I think that's the uh-huh. same. Anybody so who votes, are, anybody who votes third party is technically voting for Donald Trump. Exactly. So William Rail's um, seat to primary Trump was was not successful because many other states, particularly red states, would not even put him on a ballot for the primaries. Um, but, but the option to vote, but the option to vote Victor third party remains. You know. Um, you yes, have a lot does. of people. You have a lot of people that are sitting on the fence here, and the point I'm trying to make, and and I'm gonna get let you go back to your point. The point I'm trying to make: if you're an undecided voter, and you're you're demanding a plan, how about listen to some folks talk about the plan first before you walk out and ask for or demand for a plan? So many avenues. To listen to people talk about what the plan is for Joe Biden, what the plan is for Donald Trump. Donald Trump's plan has been playing before our eyes these four years. We know the plan. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer has been the plan with Donald Trump. Okay, so we understand the, we understand that premise. Now, when it comes to Joe Biden, Joe Biden has a plan. We have to be willing to listen to this plan this plan has not manifest yet because there's still a lot of people who are gathering the information for Joe Biden to formulate a plan at to once he becomes president so you can't demand a plan if the plan is being formulated by a candidate trump trump plan is to continue to to be divisive that's the plan it's right there before your eyes. And so that, that's why we have these. Un, and folks, if you're an undecided voter, I recommend you listen to various podcasts, not just this one, but others where you hear people talk about the, the candidates. They talk the numbers. They talk about what what one candidate is doing versus another. And then you can you can base your opinion off what all these talking heads, including us are talking about when it comes to politics in America. Go, Victor, tell um, me what you think, sir. Yes. Okay, also, when you say listen to other podcasts or listen to other uh, media outlets, even listen to your Fox News and even listen to Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. And I'm not saying that yeah. because I'm supportive of them, but I'm saying it because what happens is this. And I, and because years ago, I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh every day, not because I was a fan, but because I want to know where they were coming from. Because when you speak with someone who have opposing views, if you don't know where they're coming from, 
they're going to throw a curveball at you and, and, and get you off, you know, off of your stance. So you listen to opposing views to see where they're coming from. And and I, there, be, there would be some days when I look at Fox News and, um, you know, I just look listen to what they say, not because I'm supportive, but because of the fact that I don't know where they're coming from, why they um, think the way they do, so that when I do speak with someone who is a supporter of Donald Trump or any other GOP member, I'm ready for them to throw at me whatever they got. And as you were saying earlier, the GOP right now, it has become a party of Trump because I say that because of the fact that look at all the Republicans who are not supportive of him. A lot of mm-hmm. these books that are being written by him, John Bolton, Republican, Peter Strzok, Republican, um, Michael Cohen, Republican, um, Rosa was a supporter of Trump. So John Casey spoke at the Democrat National Convention, Republican, lifelong. Cohen Power, lifelong conservative, not for Trump. Cindy McCain, Republican. So the people that follow him now are just in this party of Trump. Mhm. Mhm. Absolutely. Absolutely, Victor. And that's that to me that says that says volumes when you have that many members of the conservative party who are not following Donald Trump at all. Michael, jump in here. What's your opinion on things? I don't even know where to start on these lines. Be quite be quite honest. But um gosh. Because Hey, there's so there's so much to um you know to touch base on, and it's just like what you said that there are there are Republicans who are breaking away from Trump and the Trumpism, the cult that is going on. And meanwhile, you got some Republicans that are emboldening it and just pretty much expanding it to all all various places that you could possibly think of, and it's becoming a much more dangerous force that you know we have to that we continue with and the only thing that's on our side is really speaking truth to power and to call these people out i mean i understand what victor is saying that you know if you can stomach it yeah go ahead and watch fox news and uh, tucker carlson and the law ingrams and the rush limbox me i have to wait till certain news or segments come up to even consider listening to them because they're going to work my nerves. They're going to work the nerves on Michael S.W. I already have a lot of gray hairs on my hair and my chinny-chin-chin. You know, you think I want any more grays going up at my 53 years of living? I'm trying to stay calm, ladies and gentlemen, but there's certain things that just make you so upset because of the inexcusable hate and injustice that goes on and feels like a double-edged sword that feels like two different sets of rules and the fact that when you have one group of hypocrites that will not tolerate these atrocities being done to them, but they think it's all well and legitimate for them to do it to us, you got another set of hypocrites that you expect under the law and yes. by the oath that they've taken to put a stop to it 
but then instead they give these atrocities, they give these domestic terrorists a free pass, a word that you like to use a lot, Murray. And so it's like, where do we go from here? And you wonder why there are people who are wrongly or illegally getting guns and taking matters into their own hands and so many actions, which we do not condone. But have it's people, a lot of people who are frustrated, Michael. They just frustrated. Yes, exactly. And I think it, they are frustrated. It, it, and, I, and my point is that had stuff been done correctly from the get-go, we wouldn't be having this conversation, would we? No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. I think I think what's what's one of the things that bothers me even more now, guys, is the fact that people continue to move to the middle now. And we have an, we have people in our own community that, that are stuck on the fence. And they 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 feel like Joe Biden is not gonna be the answer for them. I'm gonna let you guys in. But we gotta have them we gotta have the I'm sorry, we gotta have them understand it's Joe Biden or Donald Trump. And I would say this we all know how Trump is. For the past four years, he's still, and he won't change. He's still nope. the same, hateful, racist, conniving, sinister scoundrel that we have known for so long. We've known the damage that he has done. We've known the lots of lives lost and killed because of him, his rhetoric, through audio, video, and his tweets. The fact of the matter is, and we just saw it on the doggone town hall, he is reminded of the words he said, especially, and I don't want to get Victor's blood boiling on his nerves worked up, he was reminded of how he had just, oh, God, disrespected the military, calling them losers and suckers. And what does he say to George Stephanopoulos? to the people in the audience and the people watching at home, that is a false story. I never said that. Excuse you. I just said audio, video, and tweets, Mr. Trump. We were not born yesterday, and I, for one, am sick and tired of you lying to the American people and treat us as if we're stupid when we're not. Well, let's do this. And I want you to, uh, let's, let's, since we're talking about numbers, y'all oh my ready? God. Let's talk about numbers, my friend. Victor, our numbers in South Carolina kind of tapering off a little bit. We had 790 yesterday cases. In the state of South Carolina, we have 133,470 cases in the state of South Carolina. Uh, total in the country as of yesterday, new new cases fifty two thousand three hundred thirty four. Total cases across the country almost seven million six six million six hundred five thousand seven hundred thirty three is the number total cases in the United States. Globally, and I think we ain't contending with the globe anymore because the pandemic has kind of gone where it's gone with this. Uh, global, the global numbers are 
379,000 new cases as of yesterday. 29 million total cases across the globe. News. Yes, we're doing some COVID news, folks. Big Ten and its football season in October after postponing it due to COVID-19. U.S. retail spending rises to 0.6% in August for the fourth monthly increase, but gains were some gains were smaller than in previous months. Well, that's because people are not spending like that due to the COVID. FedEx posts its strongest quarterly revenue on record as the company benefits from a surge in delivery demands due to the pandemic. Yes, yes, they have. Also, the Academy of Country Music Awards will kick off with the COVID-19 protocols today following a five-month delay. Yes, everything is being affected by the COVID, and it's and it's having its impact when it comes to people making decisions about the numbers. One thing I'm going to let you guys in on is people want, people love money. And one thing about folks who, who are not employed, who are not working, and who are now who are now are not who are now unemployed, they can stay home and 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 rake in twelve hundred dollars a month because the, the unemployment numbers are there for them. You're getting three hundred from your state, you've got six hundred from the federal government. That's nine hundred dollars. The average working person doesn't doesn't get that kind of money in almost uh in a lifetime of working. And 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 most folks who get that kind of money, rather than do the right thing, they do the wrong thing with it. Okay, these are the same people who would probably turn around and vote for Donald Trump and say, "Man, he did me a favor. He did me a favor. I needed that." And then you have this you have this mindset of people who think this way because of what GOP presidents do. Let's revert back to what happened when George Bush gave out a three hundred dollar rebate to folks from from income taxes years ago it swayed people to his side just solely because he gave out a rebate donald trump did the same thing in the town hall when he started talking about african-americans i don't have an issue with race i, I love african-americans they do they, we doing really good our numbers are good with african-americans yes there's a sector of african-americans who will vote for donald trump eight percent of them did last time and we probably have those numbers increase two or three more percentage points and vote for Donald Trump again. The thing is, how do you dissuade someone from voting for voting for a president that will go down in history as the worst president of this country ever? Because he has allowed over almost 200,000 people to die from COVID-19. But nevertheless, people are still vote will go out and vote for Donald Trump, or there will be third party candidate, third party voters who will vote for someone that who is actually voting for Donald Trump, because those votes are divisive, and those votes won't get counted for our candidate Joe Biden. So the efforts fall on those of us who have a voice to encourage people to get out and vote for the candidate of their choice, and preferably that candidate will be Joe Biden. He is the answer to the question. Are you looking for true leadership? Then he would be the person that's going to bring us 
true leadership. As he said, I am listening to the scientists. I am listening to the information. We will deal with these things once we, I become president, and then we will put these things in place and try to heal the nation from COVID-19. Donald Trump is banking on the fact that we're going to have a vaccine before November the 3rd. This dude came out and said, if we if it comes out in October, we're going to start giving it out to folks. We're going to spend $10 million and try to have these samples given to everyone. So understand, folks, this is what's going on. This president has a motivation. He wants to win re-election. How do you win re-election? One, you put money in people's hands. Number two, you encourage them not to follow the, the CDC rules, not list the virus task force and Dr. Fauci. When the last time we saw Dr. Fauci on TV? It's been a minute since we've seen Dr. Fauci on TV. Okay. He was on TV just the other day. Briefly. Briefly after, briefly. Briefly after how many months? Two or three months, Michael. Several. Thank you. Several. So that, that in itself lends, lends to what Donald Trump is doing to undermine how we function as a nation when it comes to this COVID-19. This guy wants herd immunity to be the answer. The more people who get it, sooner or later, we'll have herd immunity and then we'll be healed from it. Are you willing to let 300,000 people die, though, in order to get herd immunity? You're putting a whole nation at risk over a theory. And all the doctors are saying this theory doesn't this theory doesn't pan out. Even when the vaccine is released, it's going to take up to a year or so before the vaccine can give us herd immunity. And most people are not even going to take the vaccine. Let's just be honest here. In our community, guys, African-Americans don't believe in getting the we don't believe in getting flu shots. We don't believe in getting anything in immunization. We don't. There is a stigma. We have that stigma. We have to deal with it. It's either do it if you, either we're going to deal with this stigma or the stigma is going to kill us. Um, can I point something out? Go ahead, Victor. Oh, go, go ahead, ahead Michael. Michael. Oh, it's but since of what you're saying about African Americans not taking any of the vaccines or anything like that, I think much of the people are listening to Kamala Harris saying that she will not trust anything that's coming from the mouth, let alone the hands or the watch from Donald J. Trump. And she's totally spot on with that. Let's not forget that when it comes to the COVID-19, this is the same guy who had the audacity to dismantle the pandemic commission set forth by his predecessor, Barack Obama, in the event that we had another pandemic coming by that was um, pretty much following the footsteps of Ebola. We know it now to be the COVID-19. So Trump dismantles that out of his racist hatred for his predecessor and fired everyone within. So now we had no pandemic commission. And then when the COVID-19 struck this nation, 
All he kept saying, this the same guy who kept saying, this is a hoax, it's a hoax, it's a Democratic hoax, it's a Democratic this, it's a Democratic that, and there's something wrong. You blame it on the Democrats. You blame it on Obama. You blame it on the socialists. You blame it on Hillary Clinton. You blame it on Joe Biden. You blame it on Kamala Harris. And the beat goes on and on and on. He persists on playing games at the expense of people's lives and people's livelihoods and people's pockets. So, as you said, Murray, the answer to this is very clear. You know full well how Trump is. Why in the world would you go another four years and God and heaven forbid and then some because this guy has no intentions and no respect for the laws and the Constitution and the oath that he took into office. He has no respect for the office of the presidency. While Joe Biden's been there as vice president, and you know he's complied with every single law and word that was in the Constitution. I mean, it should come up as a no-brainer, ladies and gentlemen. And when you consider also, and I want to address this to the 8% blacks that are still supporting Trump after what we've seen and what we've heard and what we have witnessed. Have you not been paying attention? And if you still can't get it, then explain how is it that Republicans, after seeing um, the light and seeing how much of a disaster, let alone a conniving scoundrel Trump is, that they're breaking away from him and da-da-da-da-da, they have endorsed Joe Biden. Even Joe Biden's getting yeah. the vote and the, and the endorsement from our military, ladies and gentlemen. Usually the military is usually either split and divided when it comes to Republicans and Democrats, or they're usually leaning Republican. When has the last time we have seen and heard a majority of the military um, endorsing Joe Biden, the challenger, and not supporting Trump any further? That says a lot, don't you think? I, it says um, yeah. Go ahead, Victor, with your point. Okay. Um, I want to touch on what Mike was saying because I'm military. I've been military since 1986, um, on and off. But since then, I never known for a Democratic um, nominee, presidential nominee, let alone a Democratic senator, Congress, or anybody. So mostly with the Democrats. And it's a no-brainer because of the fact that you have um, Joe Biden, whose son was not only Attorney General of Delaware, but he served in Iraq and volunteered to serve in Syria. Um, then you look at Donald Trump, because when people try to deny what Donald Trump said about the soldiers, let's look at his track record. His track record lets you know, let you know what he said. I mean, just look at what he said about John McCain alone. And then, if you want to go further in the details, look at the book from his niece, Mary Trump. He said, uh, one time, I think it was Donald Trump Jr., who considered enlisting in the military. And it is in a book where it said that 
he told Donald Jr., if you enlist in the military, I would disinherit you. So it shows comments he made. Oh, I was smart enough to keep from getting drafted. So, I, and then my last point, I had one of my fellow soldiers, a, a white guy, who was telling me that he and his wife was um, having, you know, a disagreement about who to vote for. He said he's not voting for Trump. He, as a soldier, cannot in good conscience vote for Trump. But his wife was saying, oh, you got to support Trump because he put money in our pocket. Hmm. So it goes back to the point Mike was making. Try to offer people money, then they're going to run for it. You know, they're going to go for it. But he said no amount of money is enough to devalue my fellow soldiers. Exactly. When I put on a uniform, it's something I do with pride. Um, I've been doing it for years now, and I do it with pride. Do I agree with everything that goes on in the military? I, I can't tell you that I do, but at the same time, it gives me a sense of pride to serve my country. So when yeah. I have someone that, that is my commander-in-chief, thinking that I'm a sucker or a loser, or thinking I'm asking what's in it for me, um, as I always state with anybody, but first, I never supported Trump, but then I lost respect for him. The day I lost respect for him was the day where he said the thing he said about John McCain. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not a hero because he was captured. I like my heroes not captured. So, yes. something I, the president threw out there. Another talking point for people to grab hold to and run with Victor. That's basically what Donald Trump does. And and I, I appreciate you and Michael doing your appeals to the audience about why are you on the fence? And I'm going to quote a pastor who said this, what in hell do you want? What in hell do you want, folks? Because that's where we headed with this situation we call Donald Trump. What in hell do you want? Just because you get the $600, just because you get you get this extension, you had the extension go how many times? Twice. And they're still debating whether or not they're going to give out that money to folks, the $1,200. Again, the... The Speaker of the House says she's working on something to try to get bipartisan passage of a COVID-19 relief bill. And it's going to take some, Madam Chairman, Madam Speaker, I hope you're listening. It's going to take a lot of work to twist somebody's arms to get that thing done. Because you got some hard-headed. But you got some hard, and I'm gonna, let me finish my point. You got some hard-headed folks out here that just refuse to listen when the opportunity comes and it presents itself to offer change to the nation, not just to a sector of people. Let's just be honest with this, okay? I want to do this one. I want to do my Pew stuff, but, Michael, before I do the Pew stuff, come on with your comments, sir. I just want to make something absolutely clear, and I'm sure you, Murray, and you, Victor, will agree or probably echo 
and these two particular um, critical factors. Number one, with this um, with this COVID relief money, and I know that you know Trump thinks that he's going to put money in people's pockets, but then he ex- he expects um, their votes in exchange. Let let me tell you something, uh, Mr. Trump, and all you GOPs. Right, I know I can only speak for myself right now, but I know my brethren, panelists, and hosts um, will agree that you are not buying my vote. As far as I'm concerned, the stimulus money that we receive or I receive, I take that as a reimbursement for the economic hardships that you have caused, Mr. Trump. So let's get that straight right there. I never have and never will support you for the amount of hate, unchristian, unethical, unlawful, and unconstitutional stuff you've done to my fellow brethren, Americans, brothers and sisters of all kinds, of all races, all ages, man, woman, child, you name it, all right? And me being critical of Trump, let's make this clear also. I have 100% utmost respect for the office of the presidency. However, I have absolutely zero, that's right, zero respect for the current occupant named Donald J. Trump who has just tarnished the office of the presidency. He himself does not respect it and has really trashed it with his shenanigans and I would say even treasonous and terrorist-like actions and behavior. So let's make that clear, please. You know something, Michael, I appreciate you for speaking in that way because it gives, it draws pause to what we're trying to convey to the audience tonight. Everyone, I want you to take what Michael said into consideration because it has it has merit to it. And that's what really matters. Folks, we're going to do our pew stuff, and then we're going to get out your way. Um, 41% say the share the share in the United States, in the United Kingdom, who have a favorable opinion of the United States, the lowest ever recorded number by the Pew Research Center survey. These folks don't see us like they used to. Next, it says the U.S. public image in the world has changed by the COVID. A 13-nation poll by the Pew Research Center finds that America's image has hit record lows in the numbers and number of countries, including key allies in Europe and Asia, favorability ratings in the United States and in Canada, the U.K., France, and Australia are lower today than even the previous near war of 2003. When Washington's decision to invade Iraq sparked condemnation abroad, lagging confidence in the president, Donald Trump, is one factor contributing to America's poor image, but so is U.S. handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. A median of of just 15% across countries surveyed think America has done a good job responding to the coronavirus outbreak. In this year of the crisis, it would seem questions have deepened about America's standing and leadership in the world. Victor, you've been over, you've been abroad. How do you feel about that? I feel it's a shame because of the fact that 
as Americans, not only in Germany, but in Israel during Death of Storm, or in Iraq, in Kuwait, people would be proud to see American soldiers. They would thank us. They would congratulate us. They would shake our hand and tell us, thank you for what you're doing. But now, we're at a point where the people don't want, to, want us to even come to their country. I can remember a couple of months ago reading about where um, you are stopping Americans from coming to the country because of the high number of the COVID-19. And um, right now, this is the lowest that I've seen with our um, country as far as the world rating. Let's take a up real quick. When Barack Obama was running for president, he really spoke at the Berlin Wall. Do anybody remember how much of a crowd was there to see him, how they celebrated wow. him? Thousand. I mean, thousand. Yes. But now you have a president that no one in any other country even wants to talk to. Yeah, I know. And, and that's a shame. shame. Michael, what's your opinion on this? Our image abroad, we've all I've all constantly said here on the show, the world is watching. I guess they are. Can't say guess anymore. The world is watching. Well, how do you feel? You just said it, Murray. The world is watching. You said it. I said it. Victor said it. Lord knows Charlene has said it. We've all been on the same page and having to remind one another and remind our listeners because Lord knows every single day is another chapter of nonsense, of BS from Trump, from his loyalists trying to dominate the airwaves. But we, the people here at Sky Shout Radio Podcast, are pretty much like Superman and Supergirl in which we stand for truth justice and the american way awesome awesome i tell you it is it's nothing like this and, and even despite this pandemic many europeans still say that the climate change as is the greatest threat to their countries it's not what's going on in a year of covid 19 pandemic has dominated the news headlines around the world it is perhaps unsurprising to discover that the majority of countries, 14 of them, surveyed in the past summer see the spread of the infectious disease as a major threat to their countries. But across European countries polled, climate change remains the top most perceived threat. Yes, when you have how many name storms in the last three weeks already? We have, what, seven? And I heard today that we have a few more name storms in the Atlantic now moving into the warmer waters already. So guys, how you feel? Victor, how you feel? Sally is moving across South Carolina as we speak. Maybe between now and tomorrow, we have a little bit of sunlight, but I heard that there's going to be a lot of rain Thursday, mostly all day. How do you feel, sir? I feel that um, we are seeing climate change, something that the once again, GOP do not want to face. Reason being is because they want to keep supporting the oil companies. 
because it showed that digging for fossil fuels disrupt our um, ecological system. But instead of facing that fact, they won't keep making them billions, keep digging for the fossil fuel, and keep disrupting our world, causing money. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's impacting the world on, on a major scale, especially with everything that's going on in nature right now. One thing you can point to immediately is these fires that are taking place out in California right now. Michael had something that he shared with us earlier in the show regarding the smoke that's traveling to the upper tier of uh, states in the country. And that smoke is settling in. Folks think it's clouds, but it's actual smoke from the fires in California and other states out west as we speak. Michael, what's your opinion on this? Uh, the our says our um, despite the pandemic, many Europeans still see climate change as an issue. How do you feel about climate change right now? Oh, I've always felt um, felt as a major concern. I mean, you got to listen to the sciences, and I was never good with science. But the, the whole thing is, is that you know, if you don't know something well enough, you try to listen closely and then try to determine if it makes sense or not. Usually the experts that are very ethical, very forthright, they not only try to make the case, and they make the case with good honesty and integrity, but they're talking to a public. They're talking to American people and beyond. They want to make sure that they understand of what we're dealing with, you know, they want to, they want to make sure that we understand what we're dealing with because it affects them as much as it affects us and vice versa. That's why you see and hear on the commercials, I'm hearing it here in New York, and I'm sure you're hearing it in South Carolina, and I forgot where Victor is from, where, he's, South where Carolina. he resides. I'm sorry? Victor's from South Carolina, too. South Carolina. See, I forgot. See, remember, remember, ladies and gentlemen, we the people here at Sky Shout Radio Podcast come from various different geographic locations. But the thing is, is that I'm sure we've seen when it comes to this pandemic, we get through this together. We've seen the commercials here in New York and I'm guessing that you're probably seeing the same optimistic um, ads that are really um, following the sciences. You know, climate change is definitely, definitely no joke. And I think I said before, um, when we started discussing about COVID-19, that you, you probably remember, Marie, that I said we don't even know how this virus um, occurred, and then I speculated and wondered if it was one of those um, environmental policies set under the Obama the Obama administration, which Trump, again in his um, in his um, hatred, decided to overturn and relax, and which the big money corporations went back to the. Um, actions and practices that was hurting this environment that was 
um, increasing climate change, and Lord knows what else um, there might be opening up in terms of like a Pandora's box. And maybe this COVID-19 was that Pandora's box. Again, we don't know for sure. But to this date, we don't know how this virus has developed, do we? No, we do not. We're still looking yeah, for answers. So still looking for answers. So, so it's still a lot to consider. So I find it absolutely irresponsible for anyone to be saying it's a hoax, it's a hoax, it's a hoax. Um, try telling that to the nearly 200,000 people that are now dead and their loved ones that are having to bury them if they can even get a funeral going, a proper funeral. You still going to call that a hoax? This is serious, serious stuff here. And it's beside me that anyone still pretend, still try to make it as a joke and still make a mockery out of it and their own selfish rallies of hundreds of people crammed together, no mess. How we, how many times have we said, how many times have we said, don't mess up, mask up? Absolutely. 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 Hey, folks, this is the community call. We all with Michael and Victor tonight. We want to thank them for being a part of this show. Guys, uh, in closing, we are approaching our 100th episode of the community call. The next time you hear us, folks, it will be our 100th episode of the community call. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have some old voices come back to the show, and we're going to celebrate an episode of the community call. And I hope you guys will join us for that. Michael, Victor, you guys are always welcome to join us. We're going to have a good time for our 100th episode. We're going to take some time off for a little while. And get ready for that 100th episode. We're going to try to round up our old voices and have them come back and share with us and talk with us about where they are in the world and how things are with them politically now after being away from the podcast for a while as we approach our 100th episode. Victor, I'm glad you came on board with us and become a part of the uh, become a part of this family. I'm so happy to have you. Um, and Michael. Glad that you've been here with us. You're getting ready to go on vacation. And and that's right. You guys you guys enjoy yourselves uh why while, while we have this time to together. Time is precious, guys. Time is so precious now. And with, I can't with begin to leave, tell you I am sorry, Marie. I can't begin to tell you how precious this time is for my wife and myself. This will be our first mm-hmm. travels in um, two years, for that matter. And gosh, have I looked forward to this um, going on our road trip this um, Saturday and just spending a week and a half away. And within that week and a half, we celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary. Congratulations, Michael, on, on 20 years of being in love. Congratulations. Nothing like that. Jevity is everything to me. That's why, yes, folks, you're listening to the community call. We're on Michael and Victor. Yes, we're going to celebrate our 100th episode. Please tune in for that. We're going to step away for the next few weekends, and then we'll come back and do our 100th episode. So stay tuned to our pages. 
Sky Shot Radio podcast group pages on Facebook. Also, point of concern, folks. Man, point of concern is jumping off. We got a lot of people putting stuff out there on point of concern. Did you guys see all those videos of what's going on on Sky Shot um, Radio podcast group page? We had some incidences with, with a Karen attacking folks who were jogging. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Also, there was of what happened with uh, in these videos. Yes, folks, we put this stuff up from time to time and let you see what's happening. The real side of America with the curtain pulled back. Okay? Hey, folks, whatever you do, stay together. Stay in love. Peace. Are you listening to the same old political talking points? Then check out the community call for a new perspective on politics. Left. Right. Center. We bring it together with an open and honest political discussion.